Hello, and welcome to the Monthly Comic Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be discussing recently released comics. One from DC, one from Marvel, and at least one other. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll discuss general plot points and storylines of the comics we review. In this monthly comic spotlight, I'm joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in May 2022. James, how you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, John? I am doing all right. A little tired, but doing all right. Now, we're doing a Saturday morning recording. Yes. I haven't done one of these in a while. When uh started the Weekly Comics Spotlight, we did those on Saturday mornings initially. And it's like, man, morning comes so early. Can we just put that off till later in the day? Yeah, but we, we can do that next time, I promise. Ah, we'll be fine. <laughs> So, Someone went on vacation and messed it up. Hey, Sorry. well, it's, it's the summer. We start hitting vacations, other things going on. That's just the way of the world. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's not a bad thing. All right. Breakdown for me. I got 66 comics this time, and that includes, I think, six free comic book day ones. Oh, nice. Now, I included them in what I got in. I'm not going to say that I've read. I think I read one of them. Okay, I got 75 comics. I did not log any of my free comic book day things inside of here. Mm-hmm. So, And I have no clue how many I got. I, I got too many. I cut back, but I still got too many. You know, for me, the free comic book day stuff has gotten into this weird slot of, yeah, it's part of my intake for the month, but it's not really part of my reading for the month for the most part, because so many of these publishers have gotten in the habit of repurposing a story they've already told, or it is a well, something I'm curious about, but not interested enough to have gotten the regular title. With Marvel and DC, they're kind of teasing their upcoming story and stuff. But if you think about it, that's for comic book readers, not for new comic book readers. Very true. And yep. I really question the effectiveness of some of this. Yeah, I was going through and I just, uh, there was a couple things I liked here and there, but the majority of us like, eh, why did I get this? And I'm like, eh, I should have passed on it. I mean, there were some things I was curious about, but it's just a snippet that's small enough that where you don't really get much from it. Yeah. And again, for yeah, me, so. I, I don't really consider these DC, Marvel, other comics. They're their own category. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So nice they're still doing it. Glad they were able to get it back, you know, running in May and stuff per usual after the last few years. But again, I, I'm already a hardcore comic book reader, so not a big deal for me. Yeah, me too. And I, I'm I'm just happy for the shops. I hope they got lots of people coming in. <laughs> I sure hope so. I sure hope so, yeah. Shall we move over to DC? Yeah, let me go and filter my list right now. All, All right. right. What do you do? How many did you get from DC? I got 19. Ah, very close. I I received 18. Okay. Uh, I'm sure you can guess what I thought was the best of the month from DC for me. I, I think I know, but go ahead and tell us. I, I'm guessing it begins with the letter N, like Nancy. <laughs> if, if you had said anything other than Nightwing 92, I'd have been surprised. <laughs> that would have gotten an A-plus for me, too. I really like that issue. It was terrific. It was. It had a nice opening action scene set in the past and stuff. Yeah. Some great use of Alfred, and when he kind of enters the scene, it's like, okay, that's just hilarious. I love that. But we also, you know, got to see Marvin George's pizza again. At the end, and this is what prevented it from being an A-plus for me, but just an A, we get another tease of Heartless. But, you know, while I'm loving this series and it's just terrific, certain parts of the overall storyline are playing out a bit slowly. It really is, because Heartless was at the beginning of Tom King's run, I think. And uh, we're uh, just Tom Taylor's. Or Tom Taylor, I'm sorry. God. Big difference from him and Tom King. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't read that <laughs> out the first one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Tom Taylor, the, the beginning of his run, and now we're just starting to see him pop up and team up with someone here. It's just like, all right, I, I wish we had kind of dealt with that already. Yeah, well, and they had an interruption or two from some crossover or whatever, and you know, it. I, I don't know what their original plan was and, and how that was slated to be, but if this was their original plan to dole out Heartless so slowly, I kind of question the logic on that. Yeah, I mean, th- there was some beautiful art in this, too, you know, with Nightwing jumping off the building with the moon behind him in the mm-hmm. background. Just gorgeous stuff. So this was definitely one of the best from DC. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, Tom Taylor doing great on writing and Bruno Redondo knocking it out of the park just by so far such a, a level it's insane. Now, I was curious about one issue from DC that I'm pretty sure you got. Flashpoint Beyond, number one. Did you like it? I thought it was a mildly interesting story in the Flashpoint timeline. It was a little unclear when the part in the the quote-unquote main DCU takes place. Okay. And it seems like it should be current day, but Barry's there, which doesn't fit in with events from elsewhere. And it's okay, but I'm still in the mindset of, this Flashpoint timeline no longer exists based on what they literally told us very explicitly in Flashpoint. If it's not an alternate world, it's a revamp of the timeline that got revamped back to normal. So, so I'm, why, I'm puzzled. Yeah, why, yeah, why are we here? <laughs> how are we here? <laughs> I mean, what's, I can't get past the how to even get to the why. Yeah, what's interesting is I really like the, the book. And I have not read Flashpoint, which I know we're going to be doing a review on that in the not-too-distant future. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to see how it reads Flashpoint, the original, after reading this first. But I did enjoy it. Enjoy it. I thought it was good. It, it, it spoiled a lot of the main Flashpoint for me because they're telling me what happened. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, yes and no. I mean, you're going to know certain things about Flashpoint from this, absolutely. But I still think it's going to be an interesting read to discuss with you in terms of how is it as a self-contained miniseries that was part of a much, much, much larger event at the time, and how does that overall thing play out compared to, you know, Crisis and a few other things? Okay. So there's there's a lot more going on in Flashpoint in terms of what they were setting out to do with the DC over uh, multiverse, universe, whatever the hell you want to call it, beyond just what happened in the universe that we're seeing some of the ramifications of here. Yeah. Now that Scooby-Doo team-up is kind of wrapped up, I think last month was the last issue, correct? Uh, yes. Uh, it was actually Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries. That's what it was. I knew it was something with Scooby-Doo. What, what, what did you like from DC? Because I know that was one of your top picks usually. Was there anything that stood out to you? Let's see. Superman Son of Kal-El was good. Yeah, I liked it. Like the interplay between Superman Jr. and Nightwing. Good use of Batman and the Kents. Yes, there may be some dirt on pink hair. <laughs> uh, well, there's just a lot going on there. And again, both in the plot and in the characterization, which I like. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a good read, though. I like this one. Uh, Fables. Fables, yeah. What, what, did, did that catch you coming back after such a long break? You know, this thing picked up almost immediately after the events of Fables 150. And that was released yep. on, I looked this up, July 22nd, 2015. Wow. So it's been that long. I didn't even realize. Almost seven years? Wow, that's insane. And, I mean, this story, it's its just getting started. It was it was fairly accessible, but it felt like all set up and such. But it was great to get back into the Fables world and get some new stories and such. Yeah, I was surprised because some of the things that popped up, I remembered them from seven years ago, apparently. You know, mm-hmm. like some of the characters. And a few of them is a little fuzzy, but it was a decent read uh, for not, you know, picking up right where it left off. I thought it was a good, good book. 
I, I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, it's one of those that if they had done almost like a 150 and a half or something, or a, a The Fable of Fables yeah, one shot to really get us back up to speed. And I mean, they could have done something that both would have gotten us back up to speed for this and been enough of a walk down memory lane slash sales pitch for the original series to go sell the, the set of trades. They could have made a lot of money if they did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because Fables... I think is one of Bill Willingham's greatest works, and he's done some terrific stuff for a variety of publishers over the years. I, I would agree with you there. It's probably one of the premier things he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. At some point, that would be a fun series to kind of go back through from the beginning. And granted, take forever and a day, because there's a lot of meat in every issue. But then yeah. to see how issue 150, which was a trade paperback in and of itself, literally... It was. <laughs> How that reads, and then this reads after it, kind of thing. Yeah, just to see, you know, how it kind of flows. I, yeah. I bet you it'd be pretty good. I would think so, because it took a place, again, moments after it felt like. Now, uh, World's Finest, is that still working for you? It is. That was one of the other ones I was going to mention. I was going to say, I thought you liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun read, but I mean, I like Mark Wade's writing. Dan Moore's art's terrific, so not too big of a surprise I enjoyed this. Yeah, I enjoyed that one, too. It was good. Uh, one of the other ones that I, well, there's a couple I want to talk with you, with you about. You're getting basically the whole milestone thing. There was a new number one with uh, Duo. Did you read it and did you like it? I did, and that was the, one of the other ones I was going to mention. That one. Oh, okay. Uh, not too far behind in my rankings from from Nightwing, actually. It's definitely an origin story. Yeah. Some similarities to like the Second Life of Doctor Mirage and a few other things, but still managed to be a new take on this sort of thing and really got the ball rolling in this issue. They really did. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked it oh, at the beginning. I loved it. At the end, I liked it. And I, I not that it got worse, but, it, you know, it had that nice little switch up thing, the total origin story. Mm -hmm. But I, I really liked it. It was I thought it was cool. I'm curious how it's going to play out. I'm glad they didn't take the creepy angle because they could have made it very creepy. <laughs> they could have made it creepy and they could have had this origin play out over the six issues. But I think we got the origin all done in this first issue. Yeah, now we're going to have some fun with the status quo going for the, mm -hmm. this character. So I thought it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm curious to see where this goes. Uh, Greg Pak was the writer, and again, the pacing on this, the story on this, there were a number of ways it could have, I don't want to say gone wrong, but gone otherwise. And again, did a terrific job with this. So those were the ones you kind of really liked, correct? Yeah, yeah. This one really exceeded my expectations. The others, I mean, I kind of expected to like. Oh, okay. Now... Did, did you get Jurassic League number one? I did not. I was not going to get it. And for whatever reason, people are calling it out in the previous spotlight. I can't remember who it was. And so I added on the FOC and I picked it up. But I did enjoy it. It's just really weird. Daniel Warren Johnson, he does weird art <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and, and weird stories. But um, it's basically, you know, turn off the thinking cap because humans are there with the dinosaurs. You know, you just got to quit thinking about all this stuff. And if you get beyond the nonsense, it's kind of a fun read, you know. I think it's, it feels like something that a parent could read with their kid, and they'd enjoy it. But it's not, you know, a kid's book, per se. Interesting, interesting. The the humans being there with the dinosaur type stuff, that surprises me. I thought it would just be a almost a mock take on their version of Avengers BC. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. But yeah, there's actually people there, and I'm just like, okay, that's weird, <laughs> but... Just roll with it. <laughs> For me, I didn't really click with the concept, uh, certainly didn't click with the art style, and it's like, yeah, I don't need to get this. Now, what, one other book that I wanted to mention, 
and I knew that you probably wouldn't like it, is Action Comics 1043. <laughs> it's gotten really weird. And I mentioned Conan last time. I mm-hmm. do not think this is Conan. I think it is Clark Kent, Warlord of Mars, almost like John Carter. Yes, yes. I was exactly thinking the same thing. Oh my gosh, the sword, the way he fights, jumping around. I'm like, they took a John Carter story and stuck stuck it Superman in as the lead role. That's what we're reading. I mean, I thought it was a decent read, but it's absolutely not the sort of story, the Superman story I want to be reading right now. It, it, it's definitely not Superman. The main John Carter book over at Dynamite, which I was buying, is horrible. It just came out and I got the first two issues. So I was like, oh, this is bad. Uh, spoiler alert when we get there. <laughs> but this... This is the John Carter story I want to read. So if you're looking for Superman, this is not it. But if you're looking for John Carter, Warlord of Mars, this is it. And that's what's weird about it. And the backup story was actually pretty decent because we get the background on Mongol, that character. I I was going to say, this was probably the best backup feature out of DC in the past few years. I mean, that's not saying much. But what I liked is it fed into the main story. This is the first one I like, and I felt like it belonged. And everything else felt tacked on and horrible and not fun to read. This felt good. It was a good read, and it belonged there. I'm like, oh, okay, this makes sense. I'm now I'm finding out about the character. Cool. Yeah, I, th- yeah. Uh, this works. Whereas all the other ones, it's like a uh, forced. <laughs> I mean, it did raise a couple more questions for me with the storyteller. Yeah. How does he know this? What's going on with him? Is there some more to his story? Yeah. You know, most of the other stuff at DC was kind of like in that average meh. The only thing that I would mention that was not good for me I bought a new number one called Batman the Fortress, mm-hmm. and I, I regret buying the book. It was not good. It's a big riot, you know, big plot holes. <laughs> the world is has gone dark, and radio communication doesn't work anywhere, but yet big chunks of the story are told through radio communication, which not, is not supposed to be working. Because that's not confusing. Yeah, there's no power, but they're shining the big bat light up in the air. I'm like, all right, whatever. And, and, and Batman just kind of kicks back and watches the city burn and oh well and i'm like this is it just wasn't a fun read i'm done yeah i'm checking out i I pre-ordered the second issue i'm cutting it off at three done yeah for me most of the rest was either in the yeah it's okay yeah and a few that it's like this is acceptable but probably the the one that was least impressive for me was uh wonder woman oh how was that the trial of the amazons which concluded before this totally killed the story momentum in this title for me. Uh, this issue just didn't engage me, and I, I skipped the backup because, again, those just aren't working for you know this this Wonder Woman as a kid or whatever type thing. It's like, yeah, whatever. Right? If that even was the backup, I felt uh, totally spaced on it. I didn't pay yeah. enough attention to it. You know, I was just looking at the solicits because I just got home from a little vacation, and I saw that they were doing a um, Wonder Girl, like a, a, a new number one thing. But I'm just like, I don't know if I'm going to pick that up because I is that the, the Yara Floor Wonder Girl? I think it was. It was something with her in there. I, I mean, they've got sure. two or three others to choose from, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the whole Wonder Woman universe has been changed, and maybe, I don't know, for the better or worse, I, I don't know if I'm going to pick it up. I think they have mishandled that part of their franchise or whatever. Doing the Trial of the Amazons across a couple of different books, I don't think the, the franchise was strong enough for that. And... Tossing the Yara Floor character out there as a big deal, which showed some promise initially in Future State, absolutely, yep. but didn't live up to it. Nope. And, you know, doing it in a way that kind of cast aside the uh, Cassie Sandmark and Donna Troy Wonder Girls to a degree, yet still having them involved in the stories, it, it's just cluttered the Wonder Woman franchise with about seven or eight Wonder Woman-ish characters. And it's like, this yeah. just isn't working. 
Yeah, it, it was Wonder Girl 2022 or uh, annual. So I don't think I'm going to pick that up. I think I'll pass. I'll probably pass. I'll take a look. I haven't gone through the uh, the solicits in detail enough yet to, to know if I'll get it or not, but I'll probably pass. I did put it yeah. as one to check. Yeah, I got like I wrote a maybe by it. <laughs> now in, I'm in, waiting to hear. In full disclosure, we're recording this on June 11th. Yes, June 11th. Which is the day I'm going to be put, hopefully putting together the preview spotlight episode. So I am a little behind on, you know, reading the solicits and such. Just say it. All right, cool. <laughs> but yeah, most of the rest didn't really click with me. Uh did get the final issues of One Star Squadron, Teen Titans yep. Academy, and Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's kind of where I was. A lot of stuff, it's just kind of like, eh, it's okay. You know, and I'm just waiting, you know, until we go a different direction. You know, like Batman, you know, okay. Let's let's get on with the new writer. <laughs> did you read Justice League versus Legion? That one I did not get. Did you like it or not? I was okay. I mean, we get some some you know, let's split the heroes up, let's do this, let's do that. But really, it didn't feel like there was a ton of plot progression. But it's uh, Brian Michael Bendis, so go figure. To be expected. <laughs> I, I'm expecting we're going to have a similar thing like what we'd seen in like the original Naomi series of. He gets so far and realizes, crap, I've got a lot more plot to do. Well, exposition time. And you get the dump of just pages of information. (laughs) Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe this is all setting up this great darkness for, you know, the the Dark Crisis event. I have no idea. But if if that's the case, I'm not going to be amused. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. (laughs) Because I'm expecting this to deal with the great darkness, not set this up. Speaking of which, we should be getting Dark Crisis soon, I'm assuming. Uh, it's we upcoming. should be, I think it should be in, uh, I've got a shipment here I haven't opened up. I think it's in there. Yeah, I think mine arrives today. So I have not read it, haven't opened the box. My box probably arrives at 5 o'clock this evening. Yeah, and I think for June, we've already gotten one of the one-shots kind of leading up to it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm figuring next time we'll probably talk a bit about Dark Crisis. That that will definitely be next week's uh, or next month's uh, recording. Yeah, where yeah, we maybe talk about one in the same at this point. <laughs> it, it could be vacation happens. <laughs> maybe the next month's worth of stuff, but I think we are going to record it in about ten days because we're doing that one early. So, so if you if listeners have questions, send them in immediately. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Move over to Marvel. Yeah, I'm ready. For me, the highlight of the bunch was uh, Captain Carter number three. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That just continues to be a fun read. I mean, I really wish Jamie McKelvey was doing the interior art, not just the covers and the writing. Yeah. Marika Cresta is doing a fine job, but, I mean, McKelvey's art style is just amazing. Yeah, and he could do a monthly book because he did it over an image with um, some titles with, with uh, Karen Gill. Phonogram and stuff like that. Phonogram, and, the, and there was another one about deities. I can't remember the name of it for the oh, life of right. me. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. I'm blanking on the name. It Me went... too. But it was very good, and he's terrific with the interior art. I think he just does a really good job. So... He is just the epitome of a crisp, clean art style. Oh, yeah. Like, beautiful. Just beautiful, beautiful art. He's one so... of the kinds of artists that if I were trying to get, you know, computer software to, to do comic book style rendering, it's like, this is a good example. Yeah, mimic his style. <laughs> Do the cleanliness of his style, but make it your own, because I'd want a little, you know, obviously George Perez influence, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. There's a couple others that I think are all in that same kind of art school style or whatever, each having their own unique flavors to it. But yeah, that's the kind of art that just really clicks with me. Yeah, it was really, really good. 
Now, um, what else did you really like? Because I have quite a few, and I don't want to steal the the show here. A Fantastic Four. I mean, that's that's not a big surprise. I'm enjoying Fantastic the Wrecking Four. Was, yeah, yeah. And we just found out that the next issue is going to be Dan Slott's last, I guess. You know, it's funny because I really think that. And granted, I wouldn't want him. This was forty three. I wouldn't want him to end on forty four. But there would be a certain appropriateness to it. Yeah, the four and four. Yeah. But I'm going to be sorry to see him go. He's really understood the property in a way I think a lot of writers have not. I, I think so, too. And he has the voices for the characters, the tone for the book. And he does really interesting things in his storyline. I'm going to miss him. I think he does Spider-Man very well, and he does Fantastic Four very well. I'm curious, are they going to renumber the title after he leaves? Yep. And what writer is coming on board? And uh, he's going to be a tough act to follow. He will be. Uh, he, he will be missed because this was one of my favorite books month in and month out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate. Maestro World War M, uh, I'm really enjoying these miniseries. Oh my gosh, I love this issue. So this was the third one, and um, I love the talk between Abomination and Namor. Mm-hmm. It literally made me laugh in there. <laughs> like yeah. there, was, there was some humor in there, like the way they were talking. It, you know, it was just, just hilarious. So um, you know, maybe your wife and son will come back. Mod- Bodog blasted me in the atoms and look at me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like hilarious. Few people could tell that to Namor, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, basically they're cheering on villainy but, and, and stuff. And then, you know, Namor shows up and it, it was just a really good thing. There was a fu- great fight scene in here. I just really like this title. Now, one thing that does have me a little concerned is the artist that was uh, on this issue is going to be doing the next, but not doing the uh, the final issue. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, disappointing. So we've get we've got German Peralta, Peralta, and we're getting Sebastian Carroll for the final issue. I've never heard of Sebastian Carroll. Huh. Ring, or Cabral, sorry, Cabral. Uh, still, well, hopefully still doesn't ring up any any bells with me. Yeah. So fingers crossed that it, the last issue looks good. I hope it looks good. I hope it's a compatible art style. I'll be honest. There are some places where I think they could do a little better than the art here, but it's good. Yeah. You know, I just hope it's not something that is jarring when we get to the fifth issue and more importantly jarring when somebody in the trade gets to the fifth issue yeah I, i've been really enjoying these peter david minis we got the new one come out marvel and we got another one i think coming out pretty soon so he, he just does a terrific job with these five issue miniseries well and i suspect once this is all said and done they may consider doing a collection of the whole thing yeah yeah yeah, I could see him doing that. But, you know, like, here's all his uh, black costume Spider-Man minis. Here's all his Hulk minis, you know, or my- Maestro minis, and here's his whatever. With all the Maestro ones, I mean, they could include, you know, Future Imperfect, and somebody was asking, would they do that? I mean, I maybe I was the one asking, where would they put that? Would they put Future Imperfect at the beginning or the end of this? Because it fits kind of in both. It does. Interesting. I, they could do it either way, honestly. <laughs> if they don't include that with a collection of these three uh, five-issue limited series, it's like, why not? Come on. Come on. It's it's there. You already have it digitized. Let's do this. <laughs> it's part of the story. Yeah. And they'll make more money. I'm sure they will. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, fun read. A- anything else that stood out to you? There were a couple that were good. Let's see. X-Men 11. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that. Enjoyable issue, and I'm curious about the origin of this Dr. Stasis, given that last page reveal. Yeah. And that was one that I think for some reason it's like, oh, what's the big deal? But if you catch a certain part, it not only gives us some clue as to who this guy is, yeah, but there could be two others waiting in the wings. 
And the ending of this book I, it gave me a what the heck is going on moment because that person looked completely different. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're going this direction. I, I need to read number 12 to see what the heck is happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it left that little cliffhanger moment for me. Yeah, and again, like you said, the next one's going to be the, the finale of this story arc. They start another one in issue 13 with a new artist at that point, but Derek Gugan's yep. still doing the writing, and he's doing some fun stuff. Yeah, he's doing a really good job. Now, did you like X-Men Red number two? Yeah, uh, it read a little bit more like a Vulcan story than I kind of cared for. It's like I'd really like the rest of the X-Men to kind of be there. Yeah, it was totally Vulcan. Uh, it was lots of action and story, but it felt like a lot of setup for future stuff. Yeah, yeah. He keeps going on and on about being an emperor through the whole thing. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I, I've never loved that character as part of it. Me, me neither. I was never like a big Vulcan fan, but... You know, but it it was a good read. I did enjoy it. But they were, you know, I liked also the little thing where you haven't developed the powers enough, even though you're Omega level. I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool that they're doing that. Yeah, there's having Omega level powers and there's knowing how to use them. Yeah, you have to hone them. Just having the power doesn't mean you can do everything. You have to learn how to utilize them, control them, to, you know, hone the skill. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. just for clarification, I am a Vulcan fan in the Star Trek sense, just not in the X Men sense. So just ah. Fine line of distinction. Dr. Spock is still in the good graces. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> now, let me tell you a few things I did enjoy, which I don't think you're getting these. We got, okay, now this was, it started off okay. Hulk versus Thor, Banner of War, mm-hmm. which is the big Hulk-Thor fight. It's a totally ridiculous fight book, the first one. It, it almost starts off like a video game, you know, with some, there, there were some gross things that happened in the fight, which you wouldn't have liked, but I thought it was cool. It's just Donnie Cates having fun with the two books he's writing, honestly. Okay. So then, so then it goes through into basically Hulk and uh, Thor, their respective titles. So you get part two and Thor and part three and Hulk, number seven. So Thor 25, you know, basically it, it was really good at the beginning at the Banner of War. I, we get the fight. We get some stuff going on. But then it turned into an um, anthology because it was an overpriced 25. You know, 25, that's an uh, anniversary issue, I guess. Yeah. But it says – However, half the book was, you know, was the short anthologies. You get DeFalco and Prince. That was good. They're from sitcomics. We see them a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, then you, they kind of start getting worse. The stories at the end were pretty horrible. But so that one, I was like, okay, the main story is good, but the backups, eh. And then when I got to Hulk number seven, which was the the third part of the fight, you get Tony coming up with new Hulkbuster armor. You know, uh, the Hulk is completely unshackled because he's been in this okay they've kind of split apart the hulk you got banner driving hulk which is like a spaceship like a robot type thing controlling him the mind uh-huh you have the persona of hulk in this room they call the engine so he throws in like characters for the hulk to fight to power the body and the angrier he gets the more things you throw at him the stronger the hulk shell gets it's really weird it's bizarre i haven't really it enjoyed it kind of odd yeah so because he doesn't have to control himself he loses control in the fight, thinking this is more stuff just to agitate him. And so Hulk's going all out. But there's nods to basically Superman here. You got the Hulk shooting lasers out his eyes or gamma out his eyes. And you have, remember the new new 52 Superman could explode? Yeah. That happened. <laughs> well, they've done like, similar things with She-Hulk in Avengers. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just like, man, we're doing all the Superman stuff over here. Okay, he's literally become Superman. <laughs> yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah, and then you get a big thing with the with Thor at the end, which was kind of funny. It's just 
Donny Cates doing crazy Donny Cates stuff. That's what it is. And so you got to look at it that way. Now, another one that I wanted to mention, which I just read last evening, was Punisher number three. Mm -hmm. Okay. I told you I really like this title while some people hate it. Yeah. And whatever. They don't they don't like the logo being changed. Different things, different people. That's fine. I'm like, well, I like it. Okay. But you kind of get a retooling. I'm not going to say a, uh, you know, retcon, but a retooling of the Punisher's origin because they didn't change what happened. What they said is what Garth Ennis did in his uh, Punisher Max basically is continuity because they talk about you were not born in Vietnam. And the first series, four issue series of showing him in the Max series was called Punisher Born, showing how he was a murderer in Vietnam. He literally killed an officer in the military unprovoked, how he was basically had these murderous tendencies. His When he got home, his family was kind of a burden because you're seeking the adrenaline rush, you know, mm. of, of that stuff. And, and that rings very, ring very true to me because a lot of people who came back from Vietnam or World War II, they were the people who started, you know, the Hells Angels motorcycle gang, the Outlaws motorcycle gang, they, the rush, you know, the adrenaline. The I mean, I, I get that. And I get when you've been in a war having a hard time adjusting back to civilian life. Yes. That all having been said, that runs very counter, I mean, the family being a burden runs very counter to the established backstory of, of the Punisher. Correct. It, it completely undercuts his original origin. Correct. So the original origin, it's like the family and brawl about. The, so Ennis, what he, Ennis did was said, you, you, you say you're doing this for your family and all the family, family, family. They're like, you wanted to do this. The family held you back. That was the Ennis take. So what he's saying, basically, so... This goes even further back into Frank's childhood, and there is a murder that happens earlier than Vietnam in this book. So this is giving you a picture of that. So you're basically getting – I think Frank is referred to as a slayer. He's the leader of the hand, these ninja groups, but he still has this moral code that he kills by, so he does not want the hand just willy-nilly killing people. So he's like going to be forcing them to follow his moral code. If any of you guys kill, I'm killing you, basically. So it's weird, it's, it, but I'm still enjoying the book, but it's very, 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 very different. I can definitely understand how a lot of people would have problems with a lot of that. Yeah. Legitimately so. Yes. So it's almost like it, it, it's very different, and you can see where people are angry, and yet I'm reading it, and it's written very well, and I'm enjoying it. So it's, I don't know how to feel. I guess my question is, if they wanted to tell that story, why not just put Punisher you know, off to the wayside for a bit and do a different character here. They could have. I will tell you, and I don't want to spoil it too much. Aaron makes the family more key, more the driving force. Whereas Ennis made them a burden. Aaron makes the family central and saying, yeah, it's, and, and you have to read it. I'll tell you afterwards if you want to know, but that's a key point. And you realize by the first issue, you're like, holy mackerel. <laughs> hmm. The family becomes very central to it. Okay. So beyond the Punisher, I'm just, I'm enjoying that. Captain America, Symbol of Truth. That was the one. Is that with both of them in it? That's Sam. That's Sam. Okay, I couldn't remember. We got so the both Falcon. of them last month. Okay, this is the Falcon one. What did you think of that? I was all right. It just felt like it was all set up and not much payoff. I agree. It felt like this, like a script for the Disney Plus show that may be coming. <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of setup in here. And it feels weird because we have two caps when we don't need two caps. Now we have two Falcons. We don't need two Falcons. Like they brought back the the Mexican guy who's a Falcon. I can't remember his name, but Falcon. Yeah, well, I mean, because this Falcon is Cap, so I mean, we've got a Cap, a Falcon, and one stuck in the middle almost. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
and I don't mind the other Falcon being there. I, I think that's kind of cool to have Sam have a sidekick, you know, kind of deal. But I guess with this one, part of it is the they're doing an arc pace for the first, you know, five, six issues. I'm wanting a little bit faster storytelling these days. Yep. And I really don't know that they've sold me on, on really the, the concept of the book yet. Oh, Granted, yeah. this was literally the first issue, so given time, but still. No, um, no, I, I know what you mean. It was a four ninety nine cover price, so, I mean, get moving, guys. Not getting the payoff, it kind of makes it stink. <laughs> yeah. I, now, I did want to ask you, Avengers 56, because I know you're getting Avengers. What did you think about this one compared to what Jason's been doing before? That was one I was going to bring up if you hadn't. I mean, I, ah. liked, I liked the idea of this story yeah. way more than the execution of it. Yeah. The ending just totally didn't work for me, and I felt it kind of undercut Jane's character a bit. I liked everything until the ending. Literally, uh, it, it, I what was weird is I felt like this was the best Avengers issue we've had because it wasn't Jason and Aaron's Avengers; it was more a Jane Foster specific issue. This almost read like it was a should have been a Thor or Jane Foster issue, not an Avengers issue. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's why I liked it more than the regular Avengers. And but at the ending, I didn't like the ending, so I was like, eh. I didn't like the ending, and I felt the story was a bait and switch. Yes, it was. What I was expecting to get, what I thought they had told us, or not told us, but implied we would get. Because they didn't flat out say it's going to be this and then it was that. But it it sure looked like it was going to be one thing and it wasn't. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. That's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Now, one other one I wanted to ask you about, Amazing Spider-Man number two. We still don't know what the heck's going on, but how is this sitting with you? They didn't pick up with the MJ stuff in this issue at all, so it's like, okay, you tease that at the end of this and then ignore it here. That's annoying. More inexplicable changes in Peter's status quo. It's not bad. It's not great. I think they're really banking on these open questions, keeping readers around. Yep. And I just don't know. I mean, we got John Romita for the first arc, so I think he's here through issue five. Issue six is legacy number 900, so... You know, overpriced, tons of... If it's an anthology, that wouldn't surprise me. Who knows what it's going to be, but it's... It probably is, yeah. And then issue seven, I think we're starting another arc. And they're promising, you know, big changes and lots of new things and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But you just shook everything up radically and you're just hoping that different is going to sell it. And I didn't think it was broken before. No, I, it wasn't broken. I, I, I honestly think I kind of miss Dan Slott being writing Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it, it it wasn't great. I'm still curious, though. I'm like, what in the heck happened? What could have brought us to this point? And we have to be told that. They they have to do this because I'm going to be frustrated if would they just keep going with this and drag it out past issue 900. Look at what they did after the more recent Secret War. Oh, yeah. Where we came back to every title and the, well, you know, who's the father of, of Spider-Woman's baby? What's going on over here? And what yeah. happened to this character? You know, how did Ben Grimm start working for S.H.I.E.L.D.? You know, whatever the questions were. And some of them got answered 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 15 months later. Some didn't. And by the time some did, it's like, do I still care? It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that was an open That's question. That's true. Ah, very true. <laughs> so I, I don't think... Using that kind of an open question as to what's going on with Mary Jane? Uh, what's this new backstory element they introduced? You know, what happened in these six months or something? I, I yeah. don't think that's a, a good selling strategy. No, no, it definitely isn't. 
Now, are you, you're not getting that Spider-Man 2099 Exodus stuff, are you? Correct, I have not. Okay, I wish I wouldn't have purchased it. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> it was written by Steve Orlando. <laughs> Need I say more? No, I was just like, oh man, this this stuff's not good. Are you getting the uh, the Ben Marley Spider-Man stuff? Uh, I'm not. Is that yeah, bad or good? I, I used to really like the Ben Riley version of Spider-Man. Now, uh, not so much. Is Steve Orlando writing it? This is uh, actually J.M. DeMatteis. Oh, okay. It's just not very... Uh, I just don't like what they're doing with it. I'm not saying it's poorly written. I just uh, not... Not it, enjoying with the, what's going on. I should have skipped this this miniseries is what it comes down to. Yeah, that's how I feel about 2099. And, and I like the character, too. I'm like, uh Now, okay, there were some new number ones that I wanted to ask you about. Are you? Did you get Legion of X number one? I did. That's a Steve Orlando book. How did that sit with you? It's an interesting approach to the mutants kind of policing themselves. I felt yes. there was a lot going on in that issue. Yeah, there was a ton. Did it hook you? It kind of did, kind of didn't. There were a couple where it's like, okay, they brought in two or three characters that it's like, wow, I would not have expected this. Joggernaut, for one. and He's right yeah. there on the cover. He's not a mutant, but okay, they, they kind of figure out how to get him in, and I'm like, okay, that he's one of the non-mutants that legitimately would make sense to have on Krakoa. Very, very much so. They had another member of the team that was basically a one-off short story in some anthology book ages ago, and I'm like, wow, they brought this guy back. That's That's interesting. How? I was shocked with that, yeah. <laughs> they still need to explain that, but... Overall, I thought this has has a lot of promise. Yeah, it, it's enough to where I'm going to give it like a six-issue arc and see what he does. Because normally Steve Orlando, it's like, ugh, but I want to try it. And it did this enough is, to uh, keep Cy me Spurrier, on. This is I thought. Oh, is that Cy Spurrier? Yeah. All right, I wrote the wrong writer. My bad. Oh. I, my, notes, my notes suck. That's why it wasn't as bad as what I thought. All right. It I was, was like, at least wow, solicited with Cy Spurrier. I'd have to go double check. It probably is. And I probably wrote the wrong writer. Because I was tired when I was typing. I can relate to that. <laughs> now, two number ones that came out that I know you didn't get, but I just was going to mention them. Obi-Wan, number one. It was uh, I, I kind of had dipped out of the entire Star Wars thing. I got all the Star Wars everything for like four years. I dipped out a while back, too. Yeah, yeah and then I burned out. It was a decent read, but it's going back to him as a kid and uh, you know what shaped obi-wan to become the obi that we know mm-hmm. and you get a lot of characters you're not going to know who they were because it's from his youth and I, I i just read it because of the upcoming tv series but i i wouldn't recommend you go out of your way to read it that's the kind of story that reeks of something that will be thrown out of continuity when they eventually get around to doing a tv show or movie of young obi-wan yep yeah so at I, which I point didn't... they will establish his mentor and give it another five ten years and we'll get that guy's young story yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and rinse, repeat. I mean, we've already gotten to where Superman, okay, we've told his story enough. So we've gotten the Kents as a comic book. We've gotten, you know, younger and younger versions of Superman uh, and stuff. We got to where we had a TV show on Krypton of his grandfather and such. Yeah. You look at, at at Batman, you get to where you have essentially a, a young Batman kind of a story in Gotham. And then they do an Alfred story of a younger version of Alfred and stuff. It's like, let's... We, we've mined, we've strip mined the property so much. We need to go back a few generations to see if there's fresh material there. That's exactly what they're doing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Rinse, repeat. Yeah. The other, the other one that I was going to mention, I think it was uh, Jason Z on Slack was asking me, or it might have been Mo. I can't remember who Mo Walker. I, I, I don't remember who was asking about this, but they're like, "What do you think about the Savage Avengers number one?" Because literally, they just canceled Savage Avengers like 
two months ago, and now we got Savage Avengers number one. And I will say, as I thought, Jerry Dugan wrote the last one. This one, I didn't even write down the writer's name. I, it, it was somebody who I didn't know, but it's not very good. <laughs> it, it's not bad. It's just not as good as the last one. And it's most of the issue is getting this motley crew together of why are these people together? And I, I don't even know how long I'll stick with it. I'm buying it because I love Conan. And it's basically Marvel's way of writing Conan without having Conan on the cover going forward. Yeah. Savage Avenger. They could just call it the Savage Avenger and just have him and just do Conan stories. I'd be happier. Do you think they're going to be able to do that? I don't know because uh, Blaze is able to publish the Sumerian comics. It's became open. Uh, what, what do they call it? Public domain? Public domain. So if they stop referring to him literally as Conan. Yeah. In the comic, they in the interior pages, they call him Conan, but they cannot write it on the cover. Because that's, that's as much a trademark issue at that point as a copyright issue. Correct. So, like, and the character has not evolved. Conan's Conan. He hasn't changed at all. He's still this barbarian guy, so he doesn't have new power. a new power set. The sword's the sword. So, literally, anyone can write a Conan comic right now. You just can't have Conan on the cover. And so, that's why I wondered at a point if Marvel just kept printing their Savage short of Conan, just call it Savage Tales, like it used to be called, and finish up the run of Omnibuy. Has all of the Conan stuff gone into public domain, or just some of the initial? I think the character himself, the initial stuff, Robert E. Howard, all of his stories, but 99% of what's been written in Conan is referencing the original stories. So the new, the, the license holder said they're going to write new stuff, you know, new, completely brand new stories. The The reason I ask is when stories go out of copyright into public domain, they do it as, you know, along the timeline they were published, if you will, is my understanding. Yeah. So if the original Superman story were to go into public domain, you could use that version of Superman. And he wasn't flying then and didn't have laser beam eyes and everything. He wasn't flying, he didn't have heat vision, didn't have a number of things. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to get the heat vision aspect until the story that first established heat vision as a Superman power goes into public domain. Correct. So with Conan, you would get maybe that initial character and the plot elements in, in that part of the world explored in that first issue or first installment. Correct. But then Belit and some of these other characters you may not be able to get until years later. Correct. Belit and Valeria and actually Red Sonia, who's a different license mm -hmm. holder. Yeah, you can't do any of those things. But I can see where some people would get tripped up if they think, well, all of Conan is in public domain and it may not be. Correct. Yeah. The one good thing about Conan being public domain for people who want to write it is like literally the guy is the guy and you can just stick him in a new story if you want to because he doesn't have that changing power set or even personality. You know, 1970 to, to today, he's this, the same character. Yeah, it's just if you reference family members, friends, places, that's what could get you in trouble. That could, yes. And that's something so. that if the property holder is well-researched on and a stickler and wants to protect the, the property as makes sense for them to do you know they yeah could they be can make life a li living hell so <laughs> so I, I apparently they're going to keep running with this and i want to see how this plays out i'm getting it it's my conan book that's at marvel but it's it's not great I, if they would have put a better writer on this it might have been a good good title but it's just it's okay it's not bad it's just okay yeah 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 so that, that's kind of like the things i was pointing out I mean, there's a lot of that's so, so, okay, meh, you know, silk finished, okay. Yeah, that's about where I was at. Yeah. Eh, it finished. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, like, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of happened. <laughs> yeah, for me, the ones that were a little more disappointing were Marauders. Oh, yeah. Didn't really work for me this time. Me neither. I, I hated that one. Iron Man was disappointing. It was supposed to, I thought, be a showdown between Korvac and Tony. And I'm like, they spent 18 issues building up to this, and this is what we get? Yeah. You, you kind of get Hellcat taking them somewhere, and I was like, wow. The, the whole thing is like so, so underwhelming. It was really underwhelming. And by the way, Marauders is Steve Orlando, so yeah, I expected that title to implode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did get the Giant Size X-Men Thunderbird one shot, and oh, it's like... It, not it, good. It's not bad, but it's not essential reading unless you're really a serious Thunderbird fan. Okay, I'm glad and I passed on it. Possibly not even then. Ah. And then Avengers Forever was another one where it's like, it just didn't work for me. It was very Doom-focused, didn't really deal with the Avengers, and I'm like, why are you spending an issue on this? It was horrible. But all the other stuff I got, well, it was all right. Yeah, that's where I am. It's just like a lot of stuff that's like going through the paces. There's nothing I really want to point out or talk about. It's just, it happened. Yeah. Yeah, acceptable, <laughs> not good, not bad. Yeah. Should we move over to the other publishers? Yeah, I'm pulling that up right now. Okay, got them up. For me, the highlights, let's see, Star Trek Discovery and Adventures in the 23rd Century, or 32nd Century, sorry. Okay. We got a story about Lieutenant Detmer with a flashback of sorts to her childhood. It didn't really match or contradict, for that matter, what we've learned of her childhood from Discovery, but cool. it was it was a fine story. It was good. Mirror War continued. We're getting closer to seeing Picard's Endgame. I'm enjoying this Mirror Universe story, so a lot of fun. Cool. Time Before Time continues to be a really good series. That one actually is doing a lot better than... I, I'd picked it up because, oh, it's a time travel story. I'm curious. They've been doing well with that. I, I, that's one I regret not reading because you've enjoyed it pretty much every month. I, I yeah. haven't been reading it. There are a few issues where they're bouncing between enough different time frames. It's like, wait, I'm getting a little lost. Oh, okay. But overall, they're doing a good job. Good stuff. And then the other one that I enjoyed was uh, Usagi Ojimbo, number 28. Oh, yeah. Good done in one story with Usagi and his nephew, which I'm enjoying his nephew. Nice. Nice. Good. It makes for a fun traveling companion for Usagi. Well, you didn't call out a number one, but I'm curious if you got it. Did you get Metal Society number one? I did not. I considered oh. it, but I'm not getting it. Okay, it's Zach Kaplan, and I haven't read him for a while. I know mm -hmm. he did something at Dark Horse you told me about, and I didn't read it. Oh, Breakout. And, and I got to pick it up when it comes out in trade, so I will pick that up. But uh, So this was my first book I read from him for a while, and it was it was decent. It was good. Uh, you know, not, not like A-plus, but it was good. So he's back at Top Cow. It's a fun read. You know, we're headed towards an AI world where basically AI's taken over, kind of like, um, you know, Mark Russell when we read mm -hmm. that book by him. Not all and, robots, yeah. Yeah, not all robots. But humans are now like, almost like an experiment and fun things that robots use. They don't really want. They kind of utilize us. And one lady was made a little bit stronger, uh, you know, just as they're experimenting with humans and doing things with them and testing with them. Mm -hmm. And a ridiculous, let's set up a fight between a robot and this really strong lady. That's literally the premise of the story. <laughs> yeah, it looked interesting enough to get my attention, but not interesting enough to get my order. Yeah, it was a fun read, but it's not very deep. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, though. Another one that I wanted to call out, because Viking Joker on the Slack, Marvin, he asked what we thought about Once and Future. I've been reading it since issue one. This was issue 25. The Okay, Karen Gillan is writing the book. And what I've noticed about Karen Gillan is 
I wish I could be like Viking Joker. He'll let the book stack up at like six or 10 issues and then he'll read them all at once like a trade. And when you're reading it month in, month out, it doesn't flow as well because I forget stuff that happens and where we left off. And it's a little bit harder to follow. But when you read his stuff all collected, it's it's really, really good. But this this title, this issue is really good. It, we get a lot on English mythology through the whole series. You get Green Knight, Merlin, Arthur, all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. But more like horrific versions of them. <laughs> They're like horror based. Um, so our, our team now encounter, encounters Robin Hood in this issue. So he looks like a demon. We have the Merry Men who are like these winged monstrosities. <laughs> and I'm not going to ruin what happens in the book, but one thing I will say it was funny Little John is this huge, massive, giant creature in there, and Duncan is in get to do go on some adventures. Mm-hmm. At one point, there's literally that Little John has an arrow that's so big that. Duncan and his aunt are sitting in little seats like in the arrow shaft when he shoots an arrow to fly over to a different location. So it's it's a fun title. If you like English mythology, you might like this book. Okay. Interesting. Uh, okay. Now, a new number one that came out was Grim Number 1, and it's by Stephanie Phillips at Boom. It's a very fun book with a nice little premise. I don't know how long it'll go. It's a female reaper. So Grim Reaper, she's collecting souls, taking them to the afterworld. And she has a scythe, and she uses a scythe to basically carry her on her journeys back and forth across the river, you know, and to go get new souls. What happens if you lose your scythe? That's basically the premise. Got it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, antics ensue. There's another one that came out. We got Dogs of London, number one. That was from Aftershock. It's a crime story with a twist. It started off good. I don't know if it'll be good through the whole thing, but it was interesting. Devil's Highway, number one, from uh, which is the second volume of Devil's Highway came out from AWA. The first one was on human trafficking, and this one's away from sex and women and trafficking, more to like immigrants being trafficked through Canada. Hmm. And there's some murder stuff that happens in there. And so I think it'll be good, but it's different than the first one, which was in trafficking women and sex and stuff like that. Got it. Okay. Department of Truth was good. Number 18, very good. Ministry of Lies versus Department of Truth. The Ministry of Lies is the uh, Russia the USSR. Oh, got it. <laughs> so uh, th- there was like some stuff on that. It was good. They're setting up all that stuff. Hey, crossover number 13. Did you like it and did you read it? I think this got either a little too metatextual or self-indulgent for me. I mean, we'll see where it goes from here. But yeah, this this it didn't work as well for me as it should have. You know, it's funny. You just said that in my notes in here. I said, at the same time, it's so metatextual and self-indulgent. Literally in the middle of my notes. God. <laughs> <laughs> That's Boom. funny. Yeah, I was just like, man, this is bizarre. It, it's it's almost completely off the rails. I wouldn't say it's it's written poorly, but it's just weird. I'm just like, it, it's gotten very bizarre at this point. Are there any more issues coming up of this, or was this the last issue? I don't know. I Maybe this was it, Crossover 13, and it's done. I, I honestly have no I point. don't have any upcoming issues on order. Okay, so maybe that was it. That was a heck of a way to end it. Because it's the solicit pitches it as the last issue of, oh, wait, no. You know, is this it? So yeah, that's what I don't know. Throws it into question. So maybe there's more. Maybe there's not. If even if there is, am I coming back? Depends maybe. on the solicitation. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> the only other two that I I enjoyed were Bunny Mask Hollow Inside, which um, Bunny Mask was the original like series that came out, mm-hmm. and so this is like the second little mini series. It's by Paul Tobin, so it it's more of like a horror book. You wouldn't like it, you know. She's taking on the evil of the world and cozies up to someone the bunny the bunny mask is the character so another killer is on the loose in this book and then sumerian hour of the dragon number three that's the 
yeah, public domain Conan, stuff. Yeah. yeah, Conan. So I'm enjoying it. This one had good art, and the title shows Conan captaining a ship as the, you know the lion again. So I, I I enjoyed that when he was a captain of the ship, and it's before he heads back to being a king. So I I enjoyed it. So I but I always like Conan stuff. So that's me. I mean, there was other things that came out like Tales from Harrow County. Number one came out. A new number one. I regret buying it. You know, I'm like, eh. And there, I got Pearl number one from Dark Horse. That was by Michael Bendis. It's the third volume. I regret buying it. I'm like, eh. I don't need to read this anymore. How about Firepower? How's that doing for you these days? We got issue twenty this time. I, I literally was like, it, it, it feels like it's almost on the brink of being canceled at this point by me, just because it it wasn't that good. Yeah, I'm at the point where it was okay, but I'm starting to lose interest. And do I stay with it or not? So that's I, what, I may drop it as well. I just haven't decided. That's literally what I put in here. I was like, time to cancel with a question mark. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just, it, it started off so strong. And it was like, man, this is the best one since Walking Dead. And now it's it's progressively gotten slower and not as good. Yeah. I personally refer to it as dropping a book because to me, a cancellation is from the publisher side. I mean, since ah. they're gonna, it looks like they may lose both of us as readers. So Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So we're dropping. I, I'm, I, I'm canceling. considering <laughs> I haven't decided. I just. It's, it's, it's on inertia at the moment. Exactly. It's like I'm 20 issues in. It's it, You get to that point where you're like, I bought so many, maybe I'll just see it through because it seems like it's headed towards the end anyways because I can't even imagine many people are really loving this. I don't maybe. know. I'd have to go see how it's selling. I, I've got some of the data. I just haven't crunched it. Ah, you got some data. Wow. Diamond's been trickling out some data. They were did two months at once and then they're starting to get a little more on a monthly cadence, but it doesn't have DC, it doesn't have all of Marvel, so it's and I don't have faith they're going to continue to release it on a regular basis, so yeah. that and a lack of time, I'm not willing to go through the effort it would take to spin my number crunching process, back up, get it all going, get articles out, only to potentially have them, yeah, well, we're not doing it this month or something. Yeah. I, you know, I am amazed to see when you do see some kind of type of numbers things from Diamond, that Marvel still has a lot of chart toppers, even though I would imagine well over half the people left <laughs> from ordering Marvel. The I did take a look at the April stuff, uh, which is the latest set of numbers I've got, and there were one or two Marvel things at the top, but then all the others were, you know, a fraction of that type yeah. thing. So I imagine it was the people who'd stuck with them getting enough to get some of the variant covers and things like that, but I just haven't dug enough into it to know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then the independent stuff, there's just a lot of stuff that I'm just like, eh, I, I'm on the verge of canceling. Like, I got Immortal Red Sonia, I'm gonna, canceling that, you know. I got Red Sonia, Red Sitha, Sitha which the, there's this writer writing uh, Red Sonia, and she's writing Sweet Paprika too, Birka and Dolfo. Mm-hmm. And she's a better artist writer when she's writing in her flirty, sexy innuendos. That's more her... That's more along the lines of what she does well. So, when, But her writing Red Sonia, it's just not working. And this Red Sitha thing was something, a character that she created in spinoff. And I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm thinking about dropping all of it. It's just not good. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Eh, so that's where I am. <laughs> well, for me, Aerosmith number five, I mean, I'm enjoying the title. Yeah. I just don't know if I'll get that next miniseries and it's going to continue the story because they were billing it as, you know, con- concluding the first half of this story it's like okay this is a six issue miniseries i was expecting a six issue story yeah and uh, you know i like the story enough to continue with it but I, i'm getting to where i kind of want to trim my reading a little and such and this is one of those that isn't essential reading it's good i mean it's kurt Busiek, carlos pacheco i mean that's a great creative team 
but you know, a magic story in World War One, I, I think it is. World and, War One, yeah. Yeah, not something that's a essential reading for me. Yeah, little tiny dragons flying and stuff. Yeah, it's it's just bizarre. It's cool. It's but... cool, but it's not necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I'm getting with some stuff where I'm doing the trimming more and more is like it's stuff that I'm like, eh, I can do without. And some stuff I don't order. And if you don't order it, you don't you're not missing it. You, you don't think yeah. about it. It's gone. Once the solicit's gone, you forget about it. So some people be like, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm like, eh, well, OK, good. But I, I don't I don't feel like I'm missing out. I don't have that fear of missing out thing. That's one of the big differences with us being mail order readers versus in-store readers. Yeah, very different. Because they don't have the cover on the rack to entice us when we walk in the store every week. Yeah, no, it's very different. And, and, and you can be talked into buying something extra in the store. Whereas if I didn't order it two months ago, I'm not going to go and hunt, go out of my way. And I've irritated Eric way too many times that I don't even bother him anymore. I'm like, I'm not going to bother him. I'm, I'll just pass. Uh, there are a couple of times where it's like, okay, this I should have picked up or I forgot to issue four out of, you know, I got the rest of the miniseries. I just skipped one, put it on. But I'll be honest, looking at a lot of these covers, there aren't many that would make me think, ooh, I ought to pick that up. Uh, very true. Very true. Yeah, there's some of them that actually, if I saw the cover, I'm like, Ugh, maybe should I be getting this? <laughs> well, if you look at, like, at least the Marvel covers I got this month, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, it's MJ and Peter standing. Yeah. A symbol of truth. It's a profile shot or whatever of, of uh, the Sam Wilson cap and such. You look at... X-Men, it's a shot of, you know, a couple of the X-Men standing. Just there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got the group shots and stuff for the solo character, and none of them are any enticement of the story for the most part. These aren't effective sales tools. They really aren't. I mean, yeah, I just flipped over to Legion of X number one. It's just like profiles of people and people just standing on the cover. Yeah. This is the, the, the roster of the team. I'm looking at Pearl. It's a girl curled up kind of clutching her knees. All right, cool. It, it, it literally, that, nothing that entices you to buy it. Well, and this is not unique to Marvel. I mean, you look at Flashpoint Beyond, it's the Flashpoint Batman on the cover. Yeah. You know, you look at Nightwing, it's a nice shot of Nightwing and a couple of the characters in the story, but nothing to tell me what the story's about. Yeah. You yeah, know? it's very true. Duo, we get the the husband with the silhouette of the wife kind of behind him and such, the background. Flash is probably the most story relevant, where it's it's him walking forward clearly in a prison. Yeah. You know, but a lot of these are ineffective. Pick this issue up because this issue is, is relevant. Yeah. Like, the only one that I, like, looking at the, the cover, I, I was just flipping through the ones I had here, just beside me. I don't have the whole month. Is like, Hulk number seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's Banner of War. You see a giant Tony Hulkbuster armor. You see... Thor and Hulk going after him. That actually happens in the story, and it's kind of cool looking. But other than that, there's not much. Like, yeah. All right. Eh, disappointing. Yeah, there are a lot of these where if I were in the store, I don't think the cover would entice me to pick it up. Yeah. No, I I know exactly what you mean by that, and I'm feeling the same thing. And uh, I still feel like I have some fat on the bone to trim because I, I look and I see the things I've highlighted in red that I read. And I'm like, yeah, there's still a lot of red in there, but you know, some of them ended like Manifest Destiny. I was like, it ended, and I'm kind of glad it ended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, no, I get I that. I saw it through to its to its miserable demise. <laughs> I hate it when you, it gets to that point, but that's where it is, you know? I saw it through to the end, and man, thank God it ended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are a couple where I'm not going to miss them when they're gone, and I don't see the reason to pick up a, a future miniseries on that property. 
Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's kind of weird because I feel like we're kind of like in the same headspace, the same spot where we're more about experiencing life and doing fun stuff in our personal lives. Uh, this is a nice escape, but it seems like there's a lot that's not nice in the escape with it we want to get rid of. And I really want to experience some things that were better that I missed, you know, in the past, like maybe some old reading that I missed out on. Yeah. And I, I'm picking up some manga that I'm reading. I'm enjoying that. But I, I, I don't feel the need to grind through and read everything that Marvel or DC or even the independent publishers come out with. I'm, I'm buying less and less of it. It doesn't entice me. See ya. Gone. See ya. <laughs> Well, I've gone from being all in at Marvel and DC to certainly at DC, there's more they're, they're publishing that I'm not getting than they're publishing that I am getting. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if it's quite that way from Marvel. I don't think so yet, but don't know. And if I'm not really enjoying some of the stuff as much as I think I should be, it's probably not going to stick on my list. Yeah, and I'm I'm really curious to see how this Dark Crisis thing goes because I'm hoping for the best, but I'm, I'm worried for the worst because we're going to do this big shakeup and you know, the person who's leading the charge is not, no no offense, but I wouldn't want that person leading the charge for my company. And, you know, currently it's just, it seems like we, we were, I think it was Brawlinator count, counted it up on the Slack channel. There was like 36 or some odd Bat family titles. It's, it's over half of what DC put, publishes, and they need to somehow engage us in Wonder Woman and Green Lantern and Blue Beetle and... It, it, it seems like everything that's coming out that's solicited that's new is just Batman, Batman, Batman. I'm like, okay, and we just need something different. Well, you look at their lineup back in the day where you had more the Justice League family of titles or, you know, something like that versus the Batman family, the Superman family, etc. Yeah. They've they've siloed their titles and their properties to a degree, even though they're still doing, obviously, cross-continuity and whatnot. But I think the lack of ongoing team titles that help kind of bridge the the franchises. You know, Titans, Outsiders, Justice League, you know, various other books like that. Would you get a member from each, you know, the Batman family, Superman family, Wonder Woman family, whatever, kind of working together and such, helps cross-pollinate the, the universe. It really does. And sure, they've got some of these titles out now, but when they do one story every six months, it's very different than doing, you know, four to six stories every six months. Yes, very much so. I'm hoping for more good reads with good writers, and we're, we're getting some of it right now with Nightwing. You know, we're getting some titles here and there, but they're just fewer and further between. Yeah, yeah. Now, we did get some questions. Ah, cool. Questions. Let's do this. All right, from Viking Joker. Uh, with your vast DC knowledge, if you read World of Krypton as it concludes, thoughts? I've enjoyed through issue five. Art is perfect for this series. I did not read World of Krypton. I did not read World of Krypton either. <laughs> so, I'm going to say we're not disliking it, but uh, we didn't read it, so, yeah. We, we have no opinion. <laughs> Sorry, Viking Joker. His other question was also, did you finish the Thing Mini? Uh, I don't think you liked the start. Wasn't sure if you dropped it. Uh, he liked it despite not being part of the current storyline, but it lost him in the end. Definitely not down with the upcoming Thing Hulk Mini. I dropped it after the second issue, which came out last year, so I hadn't been getting it at all this year. Yeah, I, I dropped it after the second issue because the first two issues were so horrible. I, I, I thought it was just a travesty and should not be read. Not as bad as the uh, the Hulk anthology, or no, the, what was it called? The uh, Hulk by Jim Rugg? 
Oh, the uh, the grand design thing. Grand design that was oh, even God. worse than yeah. the thing. <laughs> that so did not work for me. That that felt like the worst book of the year. <laughs> yes, yeah, disappointing. All right, got a couple of questions from Jason Zeller. Yeah, Death Dealer number one. Did you enjoy the first issue, James? What was your overall impression? Death Dealer. I'm I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Blank. Death Dealer number one. Did you read Death Dealer? I did not. All right, I'm I'm searching online because did I I, I don't think I. Oh, Death Dealer. I'm like, I was drawing a blank. Yes, I did read it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so okay. not high marks for memorability. Uh, my memory sucks. Okay, that was the Frank Frazetta Death Dealer. Ah, so he's like, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, he's on. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there drawing a blank. I should be getting the second one shortly. Okay, the first one, the cover art was way better than the story. The story wasn't bad. It was okay to good range is what I would say. Like a high C plus to low B minus type range if, I, if you're rating it. So basically, you have this guy. It seemed a little bit to be on the corny side, the the with the characterization of him. But I don't know if that's by design or if it was due to poor writing. And so I don't know if it was like a caricature thing, and they're trying to make him be this way. But I thought it was decent. It wasn't great. So if you're buying this book for this a really good story that's going to be like really engaging, you're going to be disappointed. If you go into it with a little bit of cheese factor, you'll be okay with it. Got it. That's the best way I can describe it. So, but I did buy the second and third. I think I'm going to be pre-ordering the third or fourth in this latest previews if it's still coming out. I haven't gotten to that section. Okay. His next question was Savage Avengers number one. How would you compare the series to the previous in both uh, storyline and characters involved? Do you think it'll be cut short, or Conan will be written out of the series soon due to the licensing issue? And we sort of discussed a little of this already. We kind of talked about that. I will tell you, the first series was awesome. The second series is not as good. This writer is not as good. I do think that this probably will end before 12 issues based on how it's written. I, I don't think they're doing the writer's doing a, a really good bang-up job. I think it could have been a terrific title if he wouldn't have dragged out the getting the band together. It was literally the whole issue, getting these people together, but nothing happened. And th- that leads for a boring first issue. So I'm waiting to pass judgment to the second issue to see what happens with the team going forward. I'm going to say it'll probably end in 12 issues or less, 18 tops, just because it's a current comic. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> that too. <laughs> All right, next question. Dark Crisis Free Comic Book Day issue. What do you guys think about the issue? Do you believe they will pull this off well? This is the only free comic book day I've had time to read. I thought it was okay, but it didn't really get me excited for Dark Crisis. I thought it was decent. It was one of the... Uh... The better ones at the free comic book days, but that's not saying a lot. I haven't read any others, so I can't compare it. Yeah. I mean, just because I was disappointed with a lot. So I, I, I wouldn't say it got me excited, but it was okay. It was decent. I'm hoping Dark Crisis is going to be good. So uh, I'm ready for it. Bring it on. There was one part that particularly confused me. Oh, okay. We're at the beginning of the story. We're getting a group of kids touring the Hall of Justice. Yes. We get the shots of the JLA rosters behind them. Correct. I do not get how the new 52 JLA story could have happened and not have been the origin of the team. <laughs> yeah. This, everything happened, everything matters. I mean, this this cannot be. <laughs> That's why we need a dark crisis. we got to fix this. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I just... <sighs> I, it, it's a mess. It's a mess, and I think they're making it worse trying to fix it. Because it just... You can't... I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I am hopeful that they're able to pull all of this off. I am uncertain that it will, but I'm going to be along for the ride through it, 
but we'll see how much I'm I'm liking it at the end and what they come out with afterwards and if they can sell me on that universe. Yeah, it, I will say I'm a little bit worried because the person who's writing it, it it's Williamson. Josh um, Williamson, yeah. Yeah, he's not a bad writer. He's just not what I would consider the person who I'd want shaping my universe going forward. And that's not no offense to him. He's a good writer. The question is, is he a good universe architect? And that's what we don't know. And it, he just doesn't have that cachet that he's done stuff like this. To, uh, that's what worries me a little bit, uh, that they're just giving it to him. I'm like, ah, all right. More power to you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, he's written fine stuff, but I don't know that anyone was clamoring for him to do the next event. No, no, definitely not. I I, I think people were would have been happy if it would have been a Jeff Johns coming back, you know, took a break and came back after a breather, or Scott Snyder or whoever. Even with Jeff Johns, I don't know how excited they'd be because I'm not hearing a lot of buzz about Flashpoint Beyond. Very true. Yeah. I don't know. And then Jason's last question was Project Superpowers number two. What do you think about the series? How does it compare to the previous Project Superpowers? I think you're getting that, aren't you? I am. You are not, correct? I am not, so I can't answer this. I'm liking it. It is nowhere near as good as the original Project Superpowers, which I thought was a ton of fun. They took a bunch of public domain, you know, Golden Age characters, breathed some new life into them, uh, designs by Alex Ross. It, the first two series of that, which were about seven, eight issues each, ton of fun. Actually, be probably good to do a back issue spotlight on at some point. Ah, cool. This is good, but it's more of almost a solo feature set in the future of that world, and it's a bit dystopic. Okay. So, yeah. Different. Hey, if you want to do a back issue spotlight on it, I'm down. Just let me know when. All right. Just remind me next time we're looking for things to pick, because I, I definitely think doing the original series would be fun. All right. Cool. Dr. Mo, what were your favorite free comic book day titles? <laughs> oh, but Dr. Mo, I'm laughing for a reason. I only really read the Dark Crisis one. I've got yeah. a few others. Doctor Who, Inkle Universe, Marvel Silver, The Overstreet Guide to Collecting, Spider-Man Venom. Have not read them, and I'll be honest, they're not really high on my list to read uh, at the moment. Dr. Moe, the only ones that I can remember, because I read these a long time ago, and then I went to Las Vegas, and I lost my mind, and I can't remember anything. (laughs) Um, What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens before Vegas should stay with you. I know. I know. I did the reverse. I remember everything in Vegas, and I can't remember anything that happened before. (laughs) Okay, so anyways... With I remember the um, the ink call and I remember the crisis book from DC and I do remember the Marvel books which were oh they, they were decent but not great I think there was an Axe one yeah there was yeah the Axe one it was it was good it wasn't great but that was decent so I would say the Axe the um, the DC crisis book and the ink call stood out to me because those are the ones I remember and the ink call I I would say it was a little sampling of four different writers who are going to take off with what happened with Jodorowsky and Mobius when they created the Incall and create different stories inside of the Sea Universe. It was cool. It wasn't great because I haven't read that book in so long that I feel like I need to go back and read the Incall again before I read these books. But I'm probably going to pick them up. I've never read it. It's a weird Euro book. Euro sci-fi with terrific art. I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's very different. Okay. It's some. It's something that a lot of people hold up as like an example of fantastic thing to read but uh, it, it's got some weirdness to it it's got some a lot of nudity in it it's just very different it's a euro comic <laughs> okay I, like i said never read it i don't know if we want to consider it for a back issue spotlight at some point 
it might be something that we should do. It could be kind of cool because I read it like years ago and it's just kind of foggy. I remember bits and pieces, but it was kind of cool. We'll put that on the potential list then. I'm typing it in right now. (laughs) Awesome. Because I'm not taking any notes on this or whichever one we just mentioned that we should think about doing. By the way, I have probably about 20 things we could review, but some some take precedence over others. (laughs) We definitely have a a list and we, we pick what looks interesting at the time. So yeah. Exactly. Dr. Moe's next question. Did you receive any manga this month? If yes, could you please share their titles and summarize the plot? I did not get any. So that's their title and their plot. Oh, Dr. Moe, are you going to take me into a dark place? Um, <laughs> okay, yes, I received quite a bit of manga, and I have read quite a bit of manga. I don't know if I should go much into their plots, but I will tell you, okay, I've read World's End Harem from Ghost Ship. Okay, Ghost Ship is an imprint that Seven Seas does. and their catchphrase is, uh, this sounds funny, because ghost ships, pirates, you know, mm-hmm. bring in the booty. That's their uh, little catchphrase. Oh. But yeah, they're, they're kind of like, they're not hentai manga, but they're more like risque, you know, like flirty. Yeah. Uh, so World's in Harem, it's about a guy who basically caught a, a disease when he was younger. And he was there put into stasis. He was put into stasis because they said, hey, in a few years, we'll be able to bring you back and we're going to have a cure for this thing that you have. I can't even remember the virus he had or what the illness he had. When he was brought back like five years later, all the men have died <laughs> oh, <laughs> on geez. the point. There has been an MK, I'm standing for a man killer virus. MK virus has run rampant all over the earth, killed all the men, except for about 20 men who are in stasis. Of those men who are in stasis, five of them have the same thing that he had, which makes him immune to the MK virus. So he's brought out. He doesn't realize at the beginning that there's other men. And we must repopulate the earth. He's like, yeah, I'm, I want to look for my girlfriend because he's falling in love with, fell in love with a girlfriend before this all happens. Can't we just do, you know, artificially make children? No, we have to do it the old-fashioned way. That's the only thing that works. So that's literally the plot of the story. Yeah. That they want him to do this, and the other four guys who they bring back are doing it, but he doesn't want to because he's in love with a girl. And that's literally the plot of the story. <laughs> and that that's went for, for 12 volumes. So, yeah, it was interesting. And then they had Worlds in Harem Fantasia which I did read, and that's more of a, a different, completely different plot, but more fantasy-based. And then that's pretty much the ones I read. I have other ones, but I read them the months before. So I read all the Worlds in Harem stuff, and I am co- continually purchasing manga. One that I read that's not like one of those ghost ship ones, and I'm pulling up in the box so I can tell you because I put it in a box, is Gleipnir, G-L-E-I-P-N-I-R, uh, by Sun Takeda. There's 10 volumes out that I've read. I've pre-ordered the seventh, and I think that's from Kodansha. And that's this weird fight manga where the characters are fighting over coins. There's aliens in there, but there's this one, they basically turn into these caricatures or creatures to fight each other. They morph into monsters. And this one guy, he turns into this thing that looks like a big stuffed teddy bear looking thing. But his power is he has a zipper on the back and he unzips it. And this girl who's like a mass killer is able to get inside him. And she's inside of him. Everyone's amazed. Wow, she can get inside you. And they fight combined. Hmm. So very weird. (laughs) It's hard to explain manga because they get so bizarre sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm enjoying it. I keep reading it. So uh, why do I read this stuff? I don't know. It's because it's bizarre and weird and completely different. And it's fun. If you enjoy it, that's reason enough. Yeah. So. Yes, I have read some, and I will give you more next time if you want them next month. <laughs> cool. And then his final question, did you read any of the lead-in titles to this summer's Big Two crossover events, 
Avengers X-Men Eternals Axe, and Dark Crisis, did they change your opinions about either crossover? I'll be honest, I'm not overly excited about the Avengers X-Men Eternals stuff, but we'll see how it goes, and I don't know that I read anything explicitly leading into it. I haven't read the free comic book day thing leading into it. I'm not a huge Eternals fan. I have read the original, well, I read the first six issues of the original run for an upcoming back issue spotlight with Eric. That'll be out probably in a, actually, I'm not sure when that'll be. Maybe a few months before that one gets released. I'm trying to work a little ahead for a variety of reasons. Yeah, we'll see how that one goes. And nothing leading up to Dark Crisis has overly impressed me. I think I've already got sitting waiting to be read for June. Justice League Road to Dark Crisis number one and Dark Crisis number one. So I do think when we come back for the the June monthly comic spotlight, which we'll be doing shortly, I think that'll be a good time to kind of revisit what we're thinking about that stuff then. I would agree. I've been reading X-Men stuff. I've been reading Avengers stuff. I had been reading The Eternals. It, 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 some of it was good at the beginning and it kind of started to lose me. But I picked it back up right before this Axe crossover to see because I'm like, it's probably going to tie into it, so I should probably pick it up. Mm. But I'm not enjoying the Eternals book, honestly. I really don't. But that one, I'm, I think, will be okay. I think Dark Crisis piques my interest a little bit more just because I want to see how it's going to change DC going forward. And I'm hoping for good things coming out because I felt like I feel like the whole DC, con- the DC books and everything, it's been stuck in a rut. And when it needs a change, and I don't know what that change is. I would agree with that. So I'm just hoping, I'm more excited for DC just because I want to see the change up and I want to get excited about the books, Green Lantern and Wonder Woman. I want to be excited about those books. Well, and I've said this before. I mean, Dark Crisis could be a complete travesty, and it doesn't matter if they come out of it with a really good game plan that excites me. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm really got my fingers crossed. I mean, flip side, Dark Crisis could be amazing, and they come out with a horrific game plan, and I'm not excited. So the yeah. two are disconnected for me. Yeah, so I, I think Axe will be like a thing that happens, and Marvel continue doing what Marvel does. DC, I, I think there's a lot more hinging on what happens here. I agree. I agree. I think it's a mile marker for Marvel. It's a potential turning point for DC. Yes, that's how I feel. Perfect way to say it. So this episode, we're recording it on the 11th. I've currently figured it was going to go up on the 13th. That may or may not happen. You may not be hearing this until the 20th. I mention that because we're recording the next monthly comic spotlight on the 21st. We're doing that for June before June is over. <laughs> give us more time to talk about Dark Crisis, we figure. Um, just scheduling issues, etc., etc. The other upcoming schedule issue to tell everyone about is we've been doing the deadline for the preview spotlight on the second Saturday of every month. We're not going to do that in July. In July, it's going to be the morning of July 4th. That is a Monday morning. That is much earlier than usual, but I need to have the clips in by 9 a.m. Central Time that morning in order to get that episode up and done. I've just got some schedule issues and stuff like that. Uh, but then we'll be back on the second Saturday of the month after that, because that, I think that's been working out well for people. All right. I'll try and put some reminders on the Slack channel for everyone about the questions for the next monthly and the uh, previous thing, too. Yeah. And I'll try to be sending out the reminders and pointing out, hey, this is early, but, you know, yeah, it's so we can get the episode done. For the timeliest reminders, join the Slack channel. And don't forget to give John a five-star review on Apple. <laughs> Definitely be appreciated. Yes, we need to do that. Yeah. Anything else? Are we good? Nah, I'm done with my marketing pitch now. <laughs> All right. Cool. 
Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.